curiosity, um, how many of you can say, yes, I know the book of Jeremiah really well. I've read it six, seven times. Nobody, because it's a hard book to read, and that's why we're going to spend some time diving into it. But uh, we did a transition uh, kind of as we went through the COVID uh, crud that we have been going through. Uh, we did a transition of, hey, Sunday isn't game day. Sunday is what? Man, you guys are getting that. That's awesome. So Sunday is not game day. It is the practice. And so we, we not come in here with our, with our game face on and getting. Now, I know you're going to do that because, I, I mean, let's be honest. I don't normally look this good. Um, <laughs> that's, not a, that's not a part where you laugh at. That's... that's <laughs> But, uh, but no, I, I get it. We get, we get dressed up to come to church. That's okay. That's, that's all. But I'm talking about this. We have to approach this time that we spend together not as the thing. This is just a part of getting ready for life. And so th- this is practice. And, and we're, we're getting, you know, had the worship team, did an awesome job, didn't they? Getting the, yes, creating an atmosphere. Of worship, and if you can't worship in that environment, I don't know where you're going to worship. It's it's going to be harder. Uh, but then we have, then we get into the message. So I I, I have a, a little like illustration. I always work with like connecting pieces, and here's my illustration for y'all this morning. Come on, anybody know who I'm talking about here? Yeah. The Karate Kid, not this new Cobra Kai whatever junk that is. I'm talking about the original real stuff. Okay, you know, come on, hi. Come on, Danielson and Mr. Miyagi is the perfect example of what I'm talking about on Sundays, is that this is an opportunity for, for us to teach. And there are times where I'm going to, I'm going to talk about things, and you're going to be like, what is, why are you teaching us this? Why are you teaching us to wax on, wax off, Danielson? Huh? Paint the fence, right? And Danielson didn't understand why Miyagi was teaching those things, but there was a reason why he was giving them context. And so as we're teaching, I want you sometimes to go, okay, I'm not going to completely understand what, why I need to know what the Assyrian Empire was doing at this time. But it's going to all come together. And why we're doing this through the week, while you're studying the Word of God on Tuesday, you're going to go, now that makes sense. So uh, we're jumping into a new thing uh, with a new series with Jeremiah, and uh, what, what I want to do is I want to challenge you because the challenge is what will change us. Come on, that is good. I stole that quote from somebody, but I'm not giving them credit, so I'm just taking it, okay? <laughs> the ch- it is the challenge that will change us, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to do the Jeremiah challenge. So we, we pa- Pastor Corey and myself have been talking about how do we take Sunday and move it into the other six days of the week? So how do we transition into that? So what, we, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be, uh, if you want to text the word Jeremiah to the number 740-265-3989, you can, um, I'm going to be sending out about five-minute challenges during the week that will be directly connected to the book of Jeremiah. So how, it'll be pieces that I'm not able to jump into right now. Uh, so throughout the week, I'll be sending you, and it won't be heavy stuff. It's not going to be like, watch this 45-minute video. Uh, it'll be five-minute videos, uh, maybe little uh, comments about what, what it is, maybe some information that will help you study the book of Jeremiah better. Because, so, again, I don't want this to be about come in Sunday, hear this, go out, and not be challenged throughout the week. So we're going to take the Jeremiah challenge. This isn't for everybody, but those of you that do challenge, jump in, you will be officially my favorite. Uh, 
So, oh, that, no one's like, hey, great. So I'm Josh's favorite. It, it carries no weight at all, does it? So, uh, but let's, uh, let's jump in. Uh, you, uh, so this uh, Jeremiah chapter one. So we're going to read the book of Jeremiah. We're not going to uh, go, th- we're not going to be able at all to go through each and every word of Jeremiah. Uh, we are going to be doing about a seven week uh, challenge uh, uh, or ch- a journey through the book of Jeremiah, and it's there's lots of chapters. There's lots of things happening in Jeremiah, so we're going to walk through it. But I'm, today, you're going to get a a foundation, a foundation of where we are going in this series. So Jeremiah chapter one, verse one says, "These are the words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests from the town of An- Anathoth." In the land of Benjamin. So right away, if we're going to study scripture, what do we need to study in? Very good. So we need to know some context. So we're, we're jumping in. So who are we talking about? Of course, the name of the book gives it away. There's Jeremiah. Now, it says he is the son of Hilkiah. The son of Hilkiah. Now, this is where immediately, uh, I, I want to, this, this is a bonus portion of the message. Because son of Hilkiah, one of the priests from, Benj- uh, from the tribe of Benjamin. So this is where I want to... Jeremiah makes a huge impact. He hears the word of God. And the reason why he's able to hear the word of God is because his parents put him position to hear the word of God. This is where... It is so hard in this season, and I realize that, that, that this is a season that we need to make sure that our children are in position to hear the word of God. That we as parents are taking on the responsibility saying, hey, I'm going to make sure my child has the opportunity to hear the word of God, to grow in the word of God, to be challenged, to be connected. And so that's that's a parent's responsibility. But it's also students and those children that are in here, it is also your responsibility to respond to the word of God. Because you can hear the message, you can know the words, you can know the next step to take, but that does not mean that you are going to do it. So... The old saying, you can take the horse to water, but you can't force him to drink. Parents, it's your responsibility to provide the water. Students, children, it's your responsibility to drink. Amen? It's good preaching, Josh. Okay, I'll keep going. So we got Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests from the town of Anathoth in the land of Benjamin. The Lord first gave these messages to Jeremiah during the 13th year of the reign of Josiah. So we're giving, we're getting, now we're getting time context. So we're giving, we're, now we know what time period we're in. So in the 11th year, 13th year of the reign of Josiah, uh, son of Ammon, the king of Judah, the Lord's message continued throughout the reign of King Jehoiakim. There's, and that's one of Josiah's son, until the 11th year of the king of Jedekiah, another of Josiah's sons. In August of the 11th year, the people of Jerusalem were taken away as captives. So here we got it. We're given some time frames, and I want to help you understand where we're at. So I've got, uh, hold on, I got to pull this up. So stick with me for just a second. We're going to go, you're going to see my crew here. There they are. They're a bunch of goofballs. Anyways, here we are. This is a, uh, a time frame of where we're at. So let's, let's go back so that we understand where we're at. We need to scoop back in the, in the Bible. Let's start uh, back here. Oops. Where? Let's go with right about, let's start right here, 1500 BC. Now, real quick, when you look at 15 BC, 
the, the, when you're in the time period of B.C., you can call it before Christ. That's not really what it means, but for our sake, let's say before Christ, that was, those numbers actually go backwards as time moves forward. It's a little confusing, but just so you have some, some groundwork to work with. So 1500 B.C., uh, Joshua became the new leader and leads the Israelites into the land of Canaan. That's the promised land. And the, the battle of Jericho, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Jericho, Jericho. Yeah, come on. Josh fought the battle of Jericho and the walls came. Nobody? Come on. Uh, <laughs> that's why I don't lead the worship team. Or I'm on the worship team. Anyways. Uh, so they go into to, to fight. It's in the year 1400 B.C. that they go in. They, uh, they go in. They capture the promised land. And it takes a period of time for them to ca- actually capture the entire promised land. Then, after the, they take the land of the, uh, of the promised land, they uh, go into a period that we call the Judges. Now, you go to the book of Judges, and this is the time period that there is no king. There's no king uh, government running this land. It is people who are put in position by God to uh, lead the people. Those are the Judges. So you go through this period until, until you get all the way till 1050 when Saul becomes the king. Saul be, is the first king of Israel. It is, God tries to warn them, says, don't, you don't want a king. And they say, yes, we do. We want a king like all the people around us. So God finally relents and gives them what they wanted. So they get a king. This, it, Saul's terrible. We don't have time to get into all that, but he makes a world a mess. But then David becomes the king. And David is a man after God's own heart. And he begins the lineage of uh, the restoration that is going to come through Jesus is because of King David. So David becomes king. And then we have Solomon, who's David's son. But after Solomon, the, Israel, uh, the nation of Israel is divided in two. And you have the northern kingdom, which is Israel, and the no- uh, southern kingdom, which is Judah. Now, Jude- Jerusalem that is in the southern part uh, of Judah. So these people who came in and were all from the same nation and were di- from different tribes now are divided into to the point that uh, Elijah confronts Ahab for worshiping Baal. Baal is a god of Tyre, uh, or Tyre, uh, and so they are, um, they're worshiping. Elijah says, it's not good that you're doing this. They actually are uh, sacrificing their own children to Baal. It's getting ugly in Israel. It's not much better in Judah, but Israel is just going off the deep end to the point that they decide that they're going to uh, come together with uh, Syria and attack uh, uh, with Syria, Israel, and Syria align themselves, and they're going to attack Judah and take over. But at this point, Isaiah is the prophet. And Isaiah says, don't worry, because there's a thing happening just north of Syria called the Assyrian Empire that's taken over. So the Syrian Empire is coming in, and because they're coming in, you don't need to worry about Syria and Israel, because Assyria is going to take over for uh, take uh, Israel, and they, they take come in. They take the uh, people of Israel, and they move them around, and they actually enslave them and deport them to different parts of uh, uh, of the Assyrian arm, uh, Empire. So here, this is where we're at. Jeremiah begins his time is when uh, Assyria, uh, the Assyrian Empire, is at its uh, at its pinnacle, but also at its moment of collapse, because almost overnight. A nation just that was just uh, south of uh, Assyria, the Assyrian Empire, is a nation called Babylon. 
they take over for Assyria. So that when doing so, they take over what was once Israel. At that point, Judah, and this is where we are going to transition. So in the story of Jeremiah, this is the transition that's taking place. When Jeremiah begins his ministry, the Assyrian Empire is in power and is in control. As, he trans as we walk through the book of uh, Jeremiah, it becomes the Babylon, the Babylon Empire takes over. And they come in, and they don't just take over Israel. They eventually take over Judah. There are three uh, um, different exiles, uh, deportations of the people of Jerusalem and Judah. And they take them to Babylon. And you might recognize some names that take place in that, like Daniel. If you, if you grew up in Sunday school, you'll recognize some names like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those are all people who were taken from Jerusalem and shipped to Babylon. This all takes place during the time of, of Jeremiah. So what I want to I make sure you grab a, a picture of this, that what is happening is that Jeremiah is leading in the midst of crisis. Jeremiah is leading in the midst of crisis. And when he begins his uh, ministry, during the time of Josiah, Judah has just gotten a renewal. They've been, being, they've been following bad kings and they've been, all these things have been happening. But Josiah, it says that in the 11th or 13th year of King Josiah, he began his ministry. Josiah is a good king. But things, they, they've got these prophets that are saying, hey, Judah's all good. Judah doesn't have to worry because of who we once were. But because we are a nation that once was founded upon God's principles, we don't have to worry. Just look, Israel, they got taken out because they, they're bad. So just don't worry, guys. It, based upon our heritage, we're going to be okay. Sound familiar? Sound familiar like a nation that said, hey, our foundation is upon the word of God and that we are one nation under God? That was our past. That was what we were, but not what we are. So, we, so many times we try to say, hey, we're, good. we're okay, guys. This is America. God's going to bless America. Every politician ends their speech with, and God bless America. It's at a point now where God can't bless something that is against him. And so Jeremiah is in the exact same scenario. He's going through the exact same process. So, so this is what we're studying, is Jeremiah is leading a nation, and he's being the voice of God to a nation during a time of crisis. So let's back up. Let's look at where we're at right now. So it says that Jeremiah in chapter 1, uh, we, let's go back to Jeremiah chapter 1. It says there, uh, there, were the, uh, there they are, these are the sons. It's during the king, he begins in, uh, for, and begins his ministry. And for 41 years, that's what, how much time the book of Jeremiah covers, 41 years, Jeremiah gives the message that God is giving him. And no one listens to him. Do you guys feel good about this now? Like, this is going to be a good book. Coming to church is receive some victory from God today. I feel the presence of God. And no one listens. See, this is, where, this is why it's so important to understand context. Because one of the most favorite of all of the refrigerator verses comes from Jeremiah 29. I know the plans I have for you, for you to prosper and to be well. Oh, yeah. And we get all jazzed up and we love that, chap, that verse, don't we? Except for no one listened to Jeremiah. God lays out these plans, and in the context of human uh, uh, understanding of success, Jeremiah is an utter failure. 
If he was a church planner, he would have nobody going to his church. There's some, that's some rain out there. <laughs> we, if, he, if we look at, the, at Jeremiah based upon, solely upon our understanding of success, he's a failure. But clearly, we're still reading his words today. So there's something valuable here. Now, now we get to the understanding that he begins during the, the reign of the Assyrian Empire. And during the Assyrian Empire, it was, a, uh, it was the first of what most historians would call a, a real empire. So any empire after this kind of follows the, the template that Assyrian Empire laid out for them. So they, they, the land, they, they covered all the way from, you can see on the map here, from Egypt through Turkey, modern-day Iraq and Iran is all covered by the Assyrian Empire. And then you, uh, you could also, you got to understand, this was an amazing time. The technology they had was, was the best of the best of their time. They had botanical gardens in Nineveh. Uh, they had uh, a, a zoo in, in there. So the, everything that you can kind of, this place was amazing of what they had. But they were also ruthless in their cruelty. When they would take over a, a country, they would come in and they've, they've actually found these reliefs. This one is from uh, the, uh, is in the uh, uh, Great Britain's mu museum. It has, this is a relief that they found from the Assyrian Empire, and they love to document their wins. <laughs> That's how most of us are. We like to like put, nobody puts up the time that they, how they lost the championship. They put up the time that they won the championship, right? So this is what they did. They had these reliefs made of their championships, but in this, uh, it's really unique, and you, if you want to have some fun with, uh, like, spending some time looking at a timeline is basically what they did here. It's and, and this, uh, how their battle was. And in this one, you can see that, uh, and I won't go through all of it in detail, but they're, they're at one point, they, they, they're fighting against the uh, Edomites, or Elamites, and the, uh, it shows the king breaking his bow in a sign of surrender. It also shows one of the uh, uh, army of the, those being defeated being beheaded. Another one uh, in this same relief shows uh, the, they make the, the people who are being conquered take their ancestors' bone and grind them up. The Syrian, the Syrian empire was ruthless. One of the ways that they would come in and they would come into a city, they would capture it, they would take the men and they would impale them. And what that means is they would take their hands and their feet and they would tie them up. And then they would take a sharp stick or a spear and place it underneath their ribcage and push them against it and leave them there to the point that they would eventually, the weight of their body would be punctured by the spear until eventually it got to an eternal organ and they would die that way. They also mastered the way of filleting someone alive. Literally, they have pictures, the reliefs. There's, this isn't just stuff made up. They would take about a four-inch piece and they would fillet the skin and pull someone's skin off of them to, to the, until they died. They, they would come into a city and they would destroy the people and they would come and take the men, and they would capture them, put them in a corner, and say, you're going to stay here. And then they would take their men and women, and, or the women and children, and burn them in front of the people before they beheaded the men. Ruthless. The cruelty. And the reason they did this is so that when they got to the next place, the people would go, okay, we'll just follow after you. Just don't kill us. Don't do what you did to them. These people were ruthless, so you can imagine, this is what Jeremiah, I, I'm giving the, all this, wax on, wax off, why? Because you need to know the context of what Jeremiah is ministering in. This is who he's, this is why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh, the capital of the Assyrian Empire. We, we give Jonah a hard time about running the other way, well, no kidding. 
So this is all taking place. So all of this gives us a picture of what's happening with Jeremiah as he begins his ministry. So let's jump to verse 4. It says, the Lord gave me this message. So introduction, Jeremiah is the one writing. Jeremiah tells us the time span that he's going to be ministering, 41 years. And now he says, this is the first message I received from the Lord. This is what God says to him. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. I'm going I'm to make a statement here. And it's going to sound political. I, I, Jeremy Foster, pastors of church in, in uh, Texas, said it this, the best way. He says, I'm a pastor, not a politician. My platform is the word of God, and my agenda is Jesus Christ. I'm going to make a statement right now that's going to sound political, but it is not political. It is the word of God. This, mess, this verse alone is the reason why abortion cannot be tolerated by followers of Jesus Christ. Period. I can't waver on that. I'm not going to get all gray area on this. This is the word of God tells us that you are created in his image and that that image was formed before you were even known in your mother's womb, that he created you and made you and has set you apart as special and appointed you. And so when you understand that, two things happen. One, you understand that in the image of God, you are special, you are unique, you are set apart, and you are his. But it also means that every other person is that also. That means every other race, every other creed, every other thing, every one of them, every single human is a design by God and formed in the mother's womb by God himself. But Jeremiah must not have really good understanding of this because his response is, O sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you because I'm too young. Side note, anytime God wants to do something in transitions, it seems to be using the youngest of the, our, our, our world. Josiah, who transformed and held off the, the uh, overcome, the, the Babylon coming into uh, Assyria and coming into uh, Judah, was made king when he was eight years old. He was 21 when they found the, the, the word of God and he said, we got to listen to the word of God. We've got to change how we're doing things. And he did a massive uh, transformation of the kingdom. He was eight years old when he was put into position. Jeremiah, when he began his ministry, we know for sure that he had to be under 20 years old. Most scholars believe that he was between the ages of 15 and 18 when God called him. Students, young people, do not allow at any point someone to say, you can't make a difference because you're too young. God is calling you. God is calling you. You are unique. You are created by him, and he has appointed you. But those of us, I, I, I'm now over that 40 mark. I'm 41 this past week. Yay. I'm now at that point where I'm waking up going, why does that hurt? And there is no reason. Uh, it just hurts. Uh, but he, he ministers for 41 years. So he's 15 to 41 Hey, guys, we have no excuse. We need to step into our position where we are at this time and minister because God's called us. You're called by him from birth. But there's, I think there's, there's three limits or three things that keep us from hearing the word of God calling us and keeping us from stepping into that. The first one's confusion. Confusion or, or crisis. I think at this point in the ministry of Jeremiah, you can go, hey, man, I can, you have all the excuses in the world of why you wouldn't want to minister or give the word of God in this moment. Because at this, 
the crisis around him is everywhere. The Syrian Empire, the Babylon Empire, the people of Judah, his own country, and call him a traitor. They, his own king throws him into prison. All this is taking place. He has a lot of reasons to say, ah, I don't want to. I, I'd rather not. So we can allow crisis or confusion to keep us from stepping into our calling. Or we can allow comparison. Jeremiah, on the back of your notes there, I have a list of all his contemporaries, all the prophets that were prophesying at the same time. Some big names are on there. And people that had a, a big impact in the, the local community. So he would have been, and that's one of the things that we can do to stop our calling is compare our calling to someone else's calling. And that is the last thing you want to do because your calling is unique and is appointed by God. And the third thing that happens that will keep us, that will cancel our calling is that we will we'll listen to the counterfeit callings. There was a bunch of counterfeit call, uh, prophets during this time. And they're all saying, hey, Jeremiah. They literally would come to him and say, Jeremiah, you need to shut up. Like, it's best if you just, I know that's what you think God told you to do, and I know God's telling you to do this, but listen, just, just be quiet, because you're causing a ruckus. You're causing an issue here, so just bring it down a little bit. And he could have listened to what people were saying to him, what he should be doing, or he could listen to what God's calling him to do. So the question is, who are you listening to? When God's calling you, are you listening to God's calling, the one who created you in your mother's womb? The one who made you, knows you, designed you, wasn't surprised by you, but appointed you? Or are you listening to the voices of others or even your own voice that says, no, you're not quite qualified? It says in verse 7, it says, the Lord replied, don't say I am too young. The Lord says, don't say. Whoop, don't say. Don't say the negative. Exclamation point. It's special. It's unique. Listen. God says, hey, you, you have identified with what other people are saying. I need you to move out of that and understand that just because you're in the process doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. In fact, the, that, that you're in the process means you're not going to be perfect. So step into your, pro, your process and allow the progress to take you. An authentic life is a growing life. We all face, it's, it's, they actually have a term for it. It's called the imposter syndrome. We all have it. We have the fear of being found out. Like we try to put out this, this front, like we've got it all together. We put out this, this thing, that, I, I got it, I figured it out. Things are going good, don't worry. But in reality, we're just fearful that someone's gonna find out I've got a mess behind me that I'm just covering up with some really cool social media posts. I've got a, a, a situations in my life that are just, they're keeping me up at night. And there's things that are happening in my life. I just, I, I, if somebody finds out who I really am, they'll never trust me. They'll never listen to me. They'll never, and this is what Jer God is saying, don't let that happen. You are unique. I created you. And then he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. This is where, so you, you stop listening to the negative and move into a position where you're not fearful. Why? He tells him, don't be afraid. I'll tell you why. Because I will be with you. And I, I will be with you. And I, let's put an I, will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. See, here's what you need to understand. So many times we go, God, I'm not good enough. And God doesn't ever come back and go, no, no, no. You got this. 
You're strong enough. You're, you're so smart. You're so intellectual. You're so successful. And he never does that. What he does do is go stop looking at yourself and start looking to me. The solution isn't going to be found in the mirror. It's only going to be found in Christ. And that's exactly what God does to Jeremiah. He says, Jeremiah, yep, you're right. You're too young. Okay. Yeah, you are qualified. But don't worry about that. Stop saying that and start focusing on me. Some good preaching right there. So God lays out the promise that I will be with you and I will protect you. And here's what you need to hear is that every time God makes a promise, it's always connected to a God encounter. God's promises are always connected to a God encounter. Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth. God's promises are always connected to God encounters. Every single time. God gives us promises, and he says, hey, I'm promising you that I'll be with you. I'm promising that I'll protect you. I'm promising you that I'll walk this journey with you. And, and no, the wor- it's probably not going to be the success you thought it was going to be. No, it's not defined by the world's idea of what success is because, well, you're abnormal. I've called you to be holy and distinct, and I've appointed you. But I'll be with you. In fact, he gets to a point where through this he gets to verse, I believe it's verse 14. He says, I will strengthen you. And, and then he says, because they're all going to come against you. The greater God's promises are in your life, the greater the battle is going to be. God's promising, hey, I'm going to be with you in this. I know things are going to get rough, but I'm going to be with you. This is in just a moment, we're going we're gonna to respond because this is a moment where we got to go, God, I, I need an encounter with you. I, I need to, I need to uh, refresh in the promises I have for you. The first promise he gives to us is the promise of salvation. And the only way we can have a, the, the promise of salvation is because of the work that he did on the cross. He did that work for us, and so that he, his encounter on that cross gives us an encounter with Jesus Christ. It's our only way to salvation. And so we, we step into this and we say, God, I, I need to, to be in relationship with you. And that, the way that we do that is it, it's a simple moment of repentance. It's taking your eyes off yourself and putting your eyes on Jesus. It's saying, God, I'm not qualified. I can't do this. I stop looking to myself for the, for the solution and I'm starting to look to you. And we're gonna pray this prayer of repentance and we're gonna pray a prayer of commitment. The other thing that we can, I wanted to do today is, I believe this is an opportunity, and I, we have the baptismal set up because what a, what a God encounter that is. It's a God encounter. That moment, you can see it in the ministry of Jesus Christ. He comes into this place where he's about to begin the ministry of, of just going into all that he's been called to do. But first, God calls him to the Jordan to be baptized. It's a God encounter that moves him and positions him. That moment is what, is what sets his ministry on fire. And it doesn't change Jesus. Jesus was still God before that, and he's God afterwards. But he's, there's an encounter. There's a moment. And that today could be your moment where you're saying, I'm being buried with him. My old man is buried, and my new man is coming forth. This, this could be the day that you look back and you're going to go, it was that day. That, I didn't come prepared. 
we got you covered. I didn't come ready, we're ready. Then I step into it and I have a moment, an encounter with Jesus Christ. Old man buried, new man raised. And we're gonna take a moment in our time of worship and as we respond in, in song, we're gonna have, why we do that, if you'd like to take the step of baptism, you go right at the door, our host team will meet you and we'll get you set up. We've got everything ready for you. Let's do this. I wanna pray this prayer right now. And I'm gonna do this. Will you all stand with me right now? I wanna pray a prayer of commitment. Every one of us needs to pray this prayer, I believe. I'm praying this prayer. We're saying, God, I've, I've allowed the, the negativity to come out of my mouth. I've allowed fear to dictate where I'm going. So today, I'm repenting and I'm turning to you. For those of you that are doing this for the first time or if you're saying, hey, I wanna begin this journey, we've got pieces that, some things that we wanna give to you uh, on your connection card, just put on there, I'm ready to take this step, I'm making this decision and we'll follow up with you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, we're gonna pray this prayer. You can say it the same way I say it. You can use my words. You can say it out louder to yourself. But let's pray this right now. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for being the solution. Thank you for being my savior. Thank you for going to the cross and dying for my sins. I turn from doing it my way. I repent and I turn to you. Thank you, God, for your gift of salvation. Thank you for the encounter that I can have with you. In Jesus' name.